0: Welcome to Interior Sources Design Connections podcast. I'm Jane Rohde, the conference chair for the Design Connections Conference that will be held from February 11th through 13th, 2019 in Ponte Vedra, Florida. I have the pleasure of dialoguing today with Dick Domitrovic, the Advisory Council Member for Design for Hospitality. Nick is the Studio Director of the Buccini Group, located in San Francisco, California. Welcome, Nick.
1: Hi, Jane. Thank you.
0: So I thought today we would talk about technology versus human interaction. With the advancement of technology, human interactions are often set aside, as often seen in restaurants when an entire table of people are checking their smartphones and feeds instead of sharing and interacting over a meal. What are the opportunities for balancing technology and human interaction within various types of designed environments?
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely been interesting, especially in hospitality. Seeing you know where tech is starting to you know it can help in a lot of ways, but at the same time it can also uh, cause guests uh, some displeasure because they lose that human interaction. And I think the really key the t- key takeaway is that tech should be thought of uh, not thought of as a replacement for guest facing interactions, but more as a tool to heighten the guest experience. So. For example, um, you know, Yelp has this no-wait kiosk where basically you go up into the restaurant, you can put your name on a waitlist, a digital waitlist, and it'll automatically um, notify you on your phone when your time is uh, ready to come to the table. Now, if this is just used completely to replace the host, there's going to be some pushback because you're going to miss... All of that in human interaction but if you now think of that host as a different role it kind of frees up this breeder this person to really um have a new type of role then this will actually um help the guest, so that they don't have to have the displeasure of dealing with you know a crowded doorway or whatever it may be but now they're actually able to kind of streamline the process and I think that's really kind of an interesting way similarly I'm currently working on an airport lounge um, and they're trying this idea of, you know, self check-ins kiosks. And while that's great, you also have to think about the lounge as an elevated experience. And so again, guests are going to want really that kind of front facing interaction. And I think the key takeaway is that there always does have to be a balance. You can't, the technology can't always just completely replace and it really has to be used to kind of give guests additional choices um because if it's too tech heavy then you're gonna have a failure uh one example you know it hasn't uh, Hasn't been super successful is the restaurant concept Itza. Um, and Itza is a fully technologically advanced, you know, it's like technology on steroids. Where you come in, you order on the kiosk, you swipe your credit card. There's a wall um, that has these little cubbies, and all the kitchen staff is behind it. And you're ordering protein bowls, salads, um, and they prepare everything, put it into the the cubby, and your name digitally appears in the cubby when it's ready, and then you leave, and so you have no human interaction whatsoever, and Something like that ends up being just a little bit too cold. And so I, you know, I think it hasn't really done well because guests are really craving that, you know, human face interaction.
0: Yeah, I, I noticed that I was at an airport recently and there wasn't a coffee shop like anywhere near the particular gate that I was at, which is unusual. And I realized that there was this one of those kiosks. It was like the old foodemats or or yes. Photoshop type things where you actually, you know, it, it walks you through it and and you it shows out inside of it. It makes you your coffee, and then you're really hoping it comes out the way you want it on the other end because you have no recourse and no. it doesn't. So, um, I, but I thought it was really an interesting model. But um, if you were in a hurry or you were trying to do something quickly, I kind of got it. But I actually do kind of like the interaction of that individual. Um, I think it's close to the conversation you had about the example of the, the hostess. So maybe the hostess is almost more like a, a concierge, welcomer than a scheduler, and um, so it gives her, her or him, a completely different kind of role in the hospitality environment and the interaction. So, so that's a that could be a very good thing.
1: Exactly. I mean- so,
0: what types of? Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Oh, no, I was going to say, yeah, I, You know another another example. Speaking of the airport, um, I had done some work with um, the company OTG that does all of the uh, kind of the um, oasis in the airport. We have these restaurants, you know, order from your iPad. And one of the interesting things we found was depending on the location, whether it was New York or like Minneapolis, um, it really actually, you know, so even just the part of the country you were at, it really um, changed in terms of how much people really like that service. Some people, you know, really like that streamlined service where you're not actually, Uh, having to interact with a a server, but otherwise, like for example, when you're more in the Midwest, uh, there was more of that craving to have that, you know, kind of that hospitality and that human interaction. And so I think one of the lessons they learned from that was that you can't, you know, fully get rid of the server and then, but that server's role became more, almost a little bit more freed up and they were able to interact with the guests and offer more of a hospitality because of the fact that they're not, you know, running around trying to do every single task. So I think there is a way that technology can actually enhance that guest experience.
0: So it's an, an interesting thing to see if the, the way it works is that the more population you're around on a regular basis, the less you want to deal with people. So perhaps the, the right. number of population and the quantity is directly relevant to how much social interaction you want from the person who's waiting on you or helping you. Um, that would be an interesting, right. interesting research project, wouldn't it, to see if that's the case. Uh, no more overload, I guess, but that's interesting. That's really interesting. Um, so, so what types of spaces and strategies support and encourage human interaction and potentially discourage the use of technology through experiential design?
1: Uh, yeah, and I, I I love this because it's something we talk about all the time with our clients. You know, our clients are always looking to offer guests an a, an authentic experience, and it's really like, well, how do you create that experience? And you know, it is through experiential design. And it's not trying to uh, force guests to do anything or force guests to interact in a certain way, but there are ways um, through design that you can kind of, kind of subtly uh, push them in that direction. So, for example, if you create, um, if you're doing a bar design and you in the bar you have some sort of communal table um, and Within the design element, is there this really amazing art piece that really you know makes guests take a second look or whatever, or a design feature, for example, that really sparks conversation. And that's what's really interesting, right? Where if you can play something and then you have these guests already in a space where they're you know right facing each other and making more of that community feel um i think there's ways of really kind of getting the guests to put down their phone and so they're not looking at their phone especially if you're a solo traveler and you're sitting at you know the bar for example and uh someone's sitting next to you and i've done this many a times when i when i do a lot of business travel I, I love sitting at the bar and just chatting with the bartender and happy to chat with someone next to me uh, but if there's a design element within the space that kind of provokes that conversation. Um, That's one way of kind of doing that and subtly trying to push people away from their uh, phones. Um, Also, another idea is like, you know, this idea of co-living spaces that's coming up. You know, we've seen co-working for so long now um, but these kind of adult dorms, if you will, um, and one of the things that people really love about them is the fact that it gives them this instant community. I mean, I remember when I went to when I went to college, I didn't know a single person uh, at, at school. I was a freshman, and that moving into that dorm room allowed me to essentially meet you know friends essentially within that first week, and these are friends I still have you know to this day. And I think with that same idea, you know, we're, as a as a generation of millennials, like we're constantly moving and, you know, going to different cities. And I moved to San Francisco three years ago from New York and I'd been in New York for nine years. And being an adult, you know, making friends in a new city is it's challenging because you're kind of starting over. But if there was this co-living space, I don't necessarily know if I would have done it. But if I would have moved into a co-living uh, space, I would have had the opportunity to have this instant community where you know you're kind of with like-minded people, and so again, it's r- encouraging this human interaction uh, just through design of the spaces, with whether it be like you shared amenity spaces um, and you know such stuff like that.
0: Well, it's interesting because we're also seeing that because senior living is actually my expertise and where we see it on our side is the, the interface between boomers and millennials and how a lot of the same uh, attributes, amenities, housing, services, are similar. And uh, so we've been looking at the common.com model. Uh, One of my colleagues up in Pennsylvania, they've actually put it into action for independent living residents um, for a little bit more of an affordable solution as well. So that uh, if you wanted to have five elders that were unrelated, they would live in the same space, but they would have shared Kitchen, dining, living space, but they'd have their own private private room, you know, their private bedroom, and their uh, and their bathroom. And so we've been looking at that because in the assisted living and nursing home markets, we call them households, but it's the same concept with maybe a few more people. So you might have ten or twelve or sometimes sixteen residents that live in a household, but it's that same idea because. Older adults have a tendency of becoming isolated. And then if you are on a fixed income and you have difficulty um, trying to find some place where you actually have a place to socialize as well as making it affordable, this would be another way to look at it. So we're kind of excited about this. It's the same with the WeWork and the WeLive. They have a, a model as well. And uh, I think it gives us new opportunities, particularly when you look at what's happening in multifamily housing, where more people are together um, are actually millennials and boomers are the ones that are moving into multifamily. And the multifamily developers are so interesting because they're like, we don't know why this is happening. Can you explain this to us? And from a senior living space, you know, it's not hard to figure out why. Um, And explaining to them that there's a lot of similarities. Um, The purchase and buying isn't necessarily the way of the future for the boomer either. Um, so that's really interesting that, that you'd think of it from a hospitality perspective too, because I hadn't thought of that before. So that's a, that's a great connection in terms of how they work together.
1: Yeah, and also another another interesting thing about this kind of this balance is, you know, with design, we always say this so often. Um, especially my company, we not only design restaurants, but we also operate them. And operations is such a you know key component to uh, a, a space working as you want to work. work. Um, I'm sure you know this from your, the same similarly uh, designing senior living. Um, But, you know, thinking about operational things as well, so um, another really cool example that's kind of going on right now is um, this kind of this digital detox um, that's becoming, again, a luxury item in hospitality. And so a couple of examples, I know like the Mandarin Oriental in New York, they actually partnered with the Mayo Clinic um, to create a customized wellness program that essentially had guests check in their phones at the front desk when they check into um, the hotel. And so the guests don't have access to their phone. And then they have this kind of curated wellness program uh, for the guests that uh, Mayo Clinic has created. Um, Basically, done for them specifically, um, and then similarly, and maybe not to that same extent, but the Four Seasons Costa Rica. Um, similarly, they also have guests uh, give up their uh, phone for, if they can do it for twenty. Kind of ironic if they can give it up for twenty four hours, they actually get an a new iPhone case, <laughs> which seems kind of <laughs> anti the whole point. But uh, it is interesting because if we think about the spaces then that are designed within that Four Seasons um if they hit create these spaces that are a little bit more communal and you know travelers just without having their phone they're going to be kind of a little bit forced to t- talk to other people because it's like that form of entertainment you know and that that point of interest so instead of you know you're waiting five minutes for that coffee even in the coffee shop like you may spark up a conversation with another guy so just even think about operationally what things can be done to also help the design um really kind of create this uh, unique experience.
0: So I love that term, digital detox. I think that I should sign up for that. Um, I. I How do we it's you know? a great term, it's a great term. Recently, I stayed in uh, Hotel One in Brooklyn and it was probably one of the mer- more sustainable hotels that I've ever stayed in mm-hmm. um, and loved it. I mean, they have like, you know, Things growing inside the resident room or the the hotel room in a good way. So <laughs> it had it had plants and and moss and like a beautiful tree that was growing inside and and it had filtered water that you could select. It had a yoga mat that was built into it. It had um, you know anything you pretty much would want. And um, I did have time to check out the spa. And they are very clear that you leave yep. the cell phone either at the front desk or locked in your locker mm-hmm. and it is not tolerated. And, and so it was, it was great to kind of wander through and had like the little, um, almost like a, like the detox or the rejuvenation room when they kind of like wrap you up after after you're done and, and just gave you a chance to, to be mellow for a little bit. And it's amazing when you get to actually think through your own thoughts without having something with, you know, blue light shining at you. Um, so I think that that, that interaction is, is that definitely needs to be balanced. Um, so do you have any other suggestions in terms of balancing spaces that are designed to promote human in- interaction? Like how do you, how do you design something to like the bar example? Do you have other examples of how to get people to engage with one another?
1: Yeah, I mean, actually one of the, um, I was thinking about this it's kind of it's now something that's going kind to of take it for granted a little bit but even thinking about um how ipads have uh changed like that again that check-in experience so with um and I, we were doing that, i did a project uh for Memorial Stone kettering um and at, at my old company igrave uh and one of the things they discussed was having you know removing kind of this traditional desk um and that you know that big five foot wide desk that creates a border between check-in and um, the guests. And one of the things they wanted to do from a design perspective is start creating these more of the check-in pods, um, like you see in a lot of hotels now. And with the pod, with the combination of the pod, as well as the iPad, what it allows is when the guest comes forward, uh, the check-in person can actually come around the pod very easily and do either more of a side-by-side check-in with the iPad and kind of like walking through the process and especially in like a healthcare environment that really gives guests a little bit of comfort they're if they're coming in for you know surgery their their nerves are going to be high and so just having that more side by side uh, interaction, it just kind of helps alleviate the guest stress. And I think the same thing can be said for you know travel as well. And we're seeing that with you know concierge desk as well. Like, you know, how does that how does that concierge desk work? If you think about it, is it a standing desk where again the person is in, uh with that desk creates a border? Or is it just two lounge chairs side by side with this little side table and it's more of a conversation. And I think that's really Kind of changing a lot um, within design as we see it um, in all sorts of aspects of our uh, spaces.
0: And it's great to see because we're also seeing that in outpatient care um, something called the um, patient-centered medical home model where you actually come in and you're greeted and you meet with your health coach and your health coach looks at you as a whole person instead of looking at you as a diagnosis, um, giving you an opportunity to be able to take that and, and evaluate the person and you're you feel immediately comfortable because of that human touch. So so that kind of human interaction, even if you do have to wait for a little while, but the idea is that there's no waiting, that you come in, you meet with your health coach, they talk with you for a little bit, they get what they need in a private space, so no one's screeching your private information across the waiting room. And you actually are, are then escorted into a room either with a family member or on your own if you're there by yourself. So so I do think that we're we're seeing this some the balance of of knowing being able to make appointments using the technology but on the flip side being able to be greeted by a human
1: mm-hmm, absolutely so
0: that's kind of a good way to look at it yeah um well thank you so much nick i so appreciate your input we have so much in common in our different fields and i'm really looking forward to spending time with you at design connections and i, I hope you have a great rest of day